I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm super thrilled to have my next guest here. I have Nicole Ledoux, who is the co-founder and CEO of 88 Acres. And if you are not familiar with 88 Acres. You definitely need to get familiar with it and hear a lot more about Nicole's story. Uh, Nicole is just a super rock star, and she is a Boston-based food company. Um, And like I said, if you have not heard or about the company or tried the product, definitely you need to go to her website, go to the store, and grab some. She has a host of craft bars and butters and with lots of whole seeds in them and lots of really simple, great ingredients. Um, she grew up on an 88-acre farm, which is, I was so curious, like where the name came from. I would love to see this farm, by the way. It sounds amazing. In Brookfield, Massachusetts, where her passion for food began. And I really cannot wait to hear more about all of these products and sort of how it started. So let's get started. So welcome, Nicole. Thanks for having me, Kara. I'm so happy to be here. Super thrilled. So let's start at the beginning. I would love to get a picture of who was Nicole as a little kid? I mean, on this 88 amazing acre (laughs) farm, where you constantly like, you know, doing farm stands and and yeah. making things and wanting to create or tell me a little bit, give me a snapshot of that. So we moved to the farm when I was in the first grade and um, my parents had always wanted to have like a really big piece of property. Um, and the first thing that we did when we moved to the farm was start to grow produce and like a huge garden and the garden just got bigger and bigger every year. Mm-hmm. My parents were not farmers by profession. Um, so I affectionately called them hobby farmers. Um, but we grew all kinds of produce. We grew pumpkins in the fall. And then um, I had a farm stand in front of the farm um, where I sold all the produce and the pumpkins. And then I sold Christmas trees at Christmas time that we got um, from the next town over in New Braintree. I would buy uh, wholesale Christmas trees and then I would resell them. Um, so I guess as a kid, I was pretty entrepreneurial. Um, I think I learned from a young age that uh, financial freedom was really important. And if you weren't having to ask your parents for money, then that like equaled a certain amount of freedom. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think like both of my parents and my brother, um, they're just really hard workers. So like in my household, hard work was the currency of respect. And, you know, my entire family just like always really emphasized like attention to detail and you go out and you like, no matter what you do, you work as hard as possible. And that just sort of rubbed off on me. 
I love that. Yeah. And just I like, I think it was a, when you're a kid, you're like, oh man, well, there's so much work to do all the time growing up on the farm is like none of my friends have to do as many tours as I do. And now looking back on it, it's like a fundamentally, like one of the most instrumental things about growing up and, and what has made me into the person that I am today is like that experience on the farm. And it certainly inspired, um, like this really close connection with food, like literally growing the food that we were eating has made, you know, now, however many years later being an entrepreneur in the food space, it like, it profoundly affects the way that we source ingredients. And we think about like how the food is made, like, there's so many Americans who just their connection to food is going into the grocery store and they don't always make the connection that that like steak that they buy behind the meat counter, like used to be an animal or that vegetable, like somebody had to grow that with care and pick it out of the ground. And hmm. so at any rate, yes, I, I loved, um, looking back on it now, I loved that experience growing up on the 88 acre farm and my parents are still there and we try to embody that same kind of like connection to food, um, to everything that we make today. I love it. So what did you think you were going to do when you grew up? I did not think I was going to start a food company. I was one of the first people in my family to go to college. I got a full ride to like a full academic scholarship to the nearby state school. So I went to UMass Amherst for undergrad. And I thought I wanted to be a businesswoman. So I was like, I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I uh, I got a degree in economics and legal studies. I figured that would like cover a lot of bases. But uh, I was working full time when I was going to school. So I was bartending at night. And I knew I wanted to work in finance because it seemed like there'd be a lot of smart people to work with. Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now. Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart. Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week, too, like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices, snacks and beverages now, too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part? Each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code GOLDEN50 at factormeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? 
Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, Term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. I graduated in 2001, so it was a sizable recession. There weren't a lot of job opportunities in 01 when I graduated, so I kept bartending. And I'd have a stack of resumes behind the bar with me. And one of my favorite customers actually got me an interview with Putnam Investments. And um, that's how I landed my first role. So I started the summer after I graduated. And that was like the launching point for a 10-year career in finance. That's wild. You started thinking about, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. What was <laughs> it that started to, you know, where did the itch come from to actually leave and really find your passion for what you're ultimately doing today? I think it was two things kind of colliding at the same time. The first was just a realization that I liked what I was doing in finance and it was challenging and difficult. And I liked the people I was surrounded by, but that Mm -hmm. I didn't really have like a passion for it. It felt like more of a job than something I could see myself doing for 30 years. Yeah. And then right around the same time I um, lived in London, I was um, trading commodities and I had moved back and when I moved back, um, I met this guy on Match.com, who is now my co-founder and my husband. And on our fourth date, he almost died at the dinner table when his meal was accidentally cross-contaminated with nuts. 
So he is um, deathly allergic to peanuts and tree nuts. And he told me that on our first date. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I had never really met anyone with severe allergies. So I didn't, I just kind of stored it away as like a information, like a useful information. Um, and like literally three bites into dinner, um, he was like, Hey, I don't want you to panic, but, um, my throat is closing and you're going to have to get me to the ER. And I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, so I put him in my car and I drove like a hundred miles an hour to the Beth Israel emergency room while he called his parents. And then he was like, he handed me his EpiPen and asked me if I knew how to use one. And I was like, (laughs) I've literally never seen one of those before. Oh my gosh. Obviously we, he, he got the fifth pity date. Um, cause I couldn't dump him after that. Uh, and I got to meet his mom and dad for the first time in the ER, which is a really interesting way to meet your future in-laws. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. But that whole experience, I was just like blown away by, you know, I had this experience on the farm, like with this super close connection with food and my family's you know, family of foodies, we all love to cook and we, you know, gather around the dinner table. And for Rob, like desperately wants that as well. But he's always had to treat food as like a potential minefield. Mm-hmm. So I remember after that whole experience, like going to Whole Foods and seeing what nut free foods I could find for him. And it was a shockingly small amount of stuff. And I'll never forget the look on his face when I like proudly emptied out the grocery bag. And he was so bummed out. He was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really eat any of that stuff. And I, I was, it was just like a, this weird moment where like some of these brands were catering to people like Rob and he, even he didn't want to eat this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like the target market. Um, And he was just like, look, a lot of these foods or these brands, like they remind me of sitting at the nut free table as a kid in elementary school. Like, I want to be proud of the food that I eat. I want to share it with my friends who probably don't have food allergies. And like, this stuff is kind of lame and gross. And it's all about safety with like taste and nutrition as a total afterthought. So that really just got my wheels turning. Um, And, you know, at the time we were we were training for triathlons and we were super active and I just started making him bars, um, in our, in my basement apartment kitchen that had seeds instead of nuts. Um, you know, for a variety of reasons, seeds are incredible. They're like nutritional powerhouses. Totally. It tastes amazing. And most importantly for Rob, they're not a common food allergen. Um, and like long story short, these bars, we got, we got in front of, you know, hundreds of people in the Boston workout community. And then we got in front of Whole Foods kind of like accidentally, um, literally with bars in a Ziploc bag. And the interesting thing was that they, you know, the bar category is super crowded. There's hundreds and hundreds of different options in that category. Um, But there was really no multi-allergen free bar. And there was no one who was building you know, a brand on a platform of seeds and, uh, Whole Foods saw, you know, that, that need that we were filling and they agreed to launch us throughout the North Atlantic region, which was then like 36 stores, um, before we had, you know, sold a single bar. So it was just a super unique opportunity. And so I was like, Oh, I'll take a three month break from finance and I'll focus on the business. And if we can make something of it, then 
been great. And then three months ticked by and we had made some progress. So I like tacked on another three months and, um, my family was like, you're going to get another finance job. And I was like, "Ah, I think I'm going to focus on this for a little while. And it, it, you know, and that was however many years ago. And now we're in, you know, 4,000, almost 7,000 grocery stores nationwide. So yeah. He's your co-founder. Was he doing anything in the food industry? No. So neither one of us had any food experience, um, you know, which was a challenge we had to overcome, but, uh, he was in, so he came from the startup world. Um, he had been a number of like clean tech startups, uh, in a sales function. And I think like one of the things that makes us a really strong co-founding team is that our skill sets are very different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, he, as I said, he comes from a sales background. I, um, am super analytical and like incredibly detail oriented. Um, and so the, our two, I guess, uh, different ways of approaching things and our different backgrounds are like super complementary to, to each other. So yeah, for sure. Like, for co-founders, you have to have that. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's absolutely hint has very much been, um, the same way. So I, um, my husband is my co-founder and was... I love uh, that. We don't hear that often enough. Yeah. No, no, no. And and I say that all the time, that you have to have the yin and the yang together yeah. in order to um, really be successful at that. So I always feel like there's there's things that there's mistakes along the way that in starting a company that you know, maybe some of them are are funny uh, along the way. Hopefully, a few of them are funny. Mm-hmm. Or accidental discoveries about uh, oh, these actually taste great together. Were there any of those in the very early days? Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of our early R and D really just came from our you know first team members were all super um, super into food, and we would just like we were just willing to experiment with a lot of stuff. So we had like pretty extensive R and D library of like some stuff that we would never launch and some stuff that we were like, yeah, I think this, you know, this could move on to the next step. But, you know, we were super curious about like, at one point we had experimented with like 30 different types of edible seeds. So I remember having like a pretty heated argument with um one of our team members where I was like, I don't think the world is ready to eat like nasturtium seeds or, you know, any of these like weird herb seeds or, um, you know, I, I think like when we launched our, we launched our watermelon seed butter, we were like first to major market with that. And so good, by the way. And he, but even that it's like, people are like, what is this? Like, it doesn't taste yeah. like the fruit of a watermelon, which is what I'm used to eating. Like it's more savory. Like, so I think it's just like learning that how painful some of that, that education curve is when you're first market with something. Um, it can be, there can be a lot of education that needs to go with, you know, convincing consumers that this is something that they need to try. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing that I always uh, share with founders is that buyers sort of trick you too, because they want to have like the different one. Like, what do you have that's new? What do you have that's different? And at the end of the day, if your consumer is not, they don't know what it is, then it's not going to pull off the shelf. Yeah. And I think that's like something that's a relatively new 
phenomenon within grocery is like this demand for constant innovation, but like not necessarily the support for like, it very much feels like the onus is on the brand to, to do all of the support and education around building that. But the demand is coming from the retailer for the innovation. I, I wish there was like a little bit more of a connection where there's a little bit more skin in the game for the, for the, yeah. And, and unfortunately, I mean, we have so many stories I share uh, in my book, Undaunted, about this, where, you know, even I grew up in Arizona and hibiscus was a really big ingredient for teas um, in the Southwest. And yeah. there's like a major Latin influence from Mexico. And so hibiscus flowers are made into tea in Mexico constantly. But when we launched a um, honeydew hibiscus, which was so good in the early days, it was, you know, consumers, when they saw it on the shelf, would just be like, oh, I wonder what hibiscus is. I wonder, you know, especially in New York or Boston, nobody knew what it was. And so um, those were the sellers that did um, the least well. And unfortunately, when you only maybe have three SKUs initially on the shelf and your other two SKUs are doing great, but that one is not doing awesome. There's this perception that your brand isn't pulling because you have one that has a lot left on the shelf. And so, you know, that's what we learned is like, you know, go out with your top sellers. Like if you feel like the buyers are constantly saying, oh, we need new, we want you to have something different on the shelf and we want to be different than the other retailer. Um, You might even need to discontinue that flavor, which is what we ultimately had to do, or we only sold it online ultimately because it just was, you know, too confusing um, to people uh, who were trying to make choices. So it was, um, it was a painful lesson that we had to learn, but it's something that I, I, still stand by, you know, when you're leading, when you're going out into stores and especially conventional grocery grocery or Costco or Walmart, I mean, Target, you know, you just really have to go out with your top flavors. So it's so, so interesting. So what, what do you think has been like the best marketing strategy? You opened a bakery in Boston and, and, uh, I mean, that's just so interesting. So you did that and, like you were wholesaling, obviously getting it into places like Whole Foods, but you had your own bakery as well. How did like did you feel like that created trial buzz? I mean, all of that. I think it's definitely um, helped us to, um, like, kind of own our backyard. We have such a strong story here in New England, especially here in Boston. I can't say that like being vertically integrated that conversation back in 2013 when we were we were out there searching for comans and we just couldn't find one like we were our so all of our products are free of the top 9 food allergens and our bars are baked which is pretty unique within the space and back then we didn't have the seed butters yet so we were really just trying to find like a contract manufacturer for our bar line and it was it was this combination of like nobody was allergen free very few people had the the bakery equipment that we needed to manufacture the bars. And even if we could find those two things, which we couldn't, the MOQs, like the minimum runs, um, were so daunting that we just didn't think that we would 
it was like a viable way to set up the business. And Mm -hmm. so for those reasons, we really sat down and we were like, okay, we could either not launch the company or we could build our own manufacturing facility. And we were, I think that like getting the Whole Foods distribution gave us this, you know, a certain level of confidence to, you know, to go out and, and build the bakery. And then once we were comfortable with the idea, it was just like a total no brainer. Um, we were able to build the bakery in like an economic development zone within the city. And we really, it gave us the opportunity to think, to really rethink like the food manufacturing jobs that we could create. Um, it's typically like a high turnover, low pay type of role. And we saw an opportunity to hire directly from the community to create career paths. Um, and to like when people were, people are just now hitting that like $15 an hour minimum wage. Like we've been there for years. Um, our minimum wages in the bakery are approaching like $18 an hour. Our averages are approaching $20 an hour. So um, really thinking about like, what is a, what is a living wage and how can we as a company make sure that that's, you know, that we're fairly compensating our team and that we're giving them career opportunities. So most of our managers and supervisors have started with us as um, sort of entry level bakery team members, and they've Mm -hmm. been like kind of coached and promoted from within. We've, you know, we've started to like promote people into QA tech roles who started as production people. So it's just, it's just a really cool set up in the bakery. And, and now that we do our own manufacturing, I literally can't imagine seeding that control and quality to some random, nameless, faceless co-man. Um, oh, the grass is like always greener. Uh, I think that there's arguments on both sides of the aisle for why you should, you know, launch, why you should build a company with co-mans and why you could build a company vertically integrated. And and I think for us, it just made so much sense to, to be vertically integrated. Every 28 seconds, an entrepreneur makes their first sale on Shopify. That's over 3,000 sales every day. One of those sales could be you. Shopify is more than an online store. It is a subscription-based software that allows you to sell your product, reach your consumers, and drive sales all from one place. Shopify also gives you detailed reports of your conversion rates, profit margins, and traffic to your page. You can then generate traffic by using Shopify's integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots and everything in between. Plus, Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has everything you need to scale your business, whether you're a brand new startup or a seasoned entrepreneur. I personally love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success with Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash Kara, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash Kara right now. That's shopify.com slash Kara. 
Hi, everyone. I wanted to take a moment to talk about my book. It's called Undaunted. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet on Audible or picked up a copy at Amazon or at your favorite bookstore, I think you're really missing out. Hopefully, you're enjoying listening to The Kara Golden Show with all the amazing guests that I'm so lucky to interview and be inspired by. Stories of challenges and breakthroughs, lessons too. Each of these incredible guests teach me that being undaunted really is the answer. And that is what you will learn from my story, which I share in my book, Undaunted. Not only how I came up with the idea for Hint, but also the journey that I experienced along the way. You see, most people don't know all the challenges that entrepreneurs go through in building a company and the journey, the ups and the downs, twists and turns, you will hear it all in Undaunted. Probably the thing that has made me happiest about writing this book is hearing from people and how the book has helped them push through hard things and try new things. I have heard from countless people how Undaunted has helped them see that they are not alone in their hard times that they are experiencing, but also how pushing forward and finding a way is usually what it takes. My real stories with my observations looking back that just might make you change your mind about what you can endure and what you can achieve. Don't let anyone tell you you can't. It's time to move past your fears and defy the doubters too. My book Undaunted is available everywhere books are sold, on Amazon and Audible as well. And shoot me a DM and tell me what you think. Back to the show. Obviously, you have to have a great tasting product and you're getting people to try the product and for sure people are coming back and getting more of, of your bars and butters. But what do you think is the value of the story? Like how much is the story really kind of a driver for people, you know, to understand exactly what you're doing? I mean, maybe to get trial, maybe, you know, as time goes on, how do you think the story really plays into building the uh, connection with the consumer? I mean, if you, I guess I think about there's that technology bell curve that there's like the early adopters and the you know, the left hand tail. And then there's like, it, as you get to the right hand tail, it's kind of like the, the late comers. I think the story is really, really important when you're just starting out, especially in such a crowded field, like in any food and beverage category. And, you know, maybe the story becomes less relevant as you become a more mature brand. But I think it's it's really difficult when there's 300 other three or 400 other like brands that people could choose from. And I think that customers now, like the story matters. Um, People care about, you know, what are your hiring practices or like, how do you think about sourcing ingredients or what's important to you? People want to, I think, especially in this day and age, like personally, as a consumer, I feel like the only power I have is, um, the power of my wallet and and who I choose personally to, you know, to, to bring into my household. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think the story is, is really important. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's, there's really two big stories when I think about your round. I mean, there's your, why you guys did it. Um, but then there's also all of the other stuff that you're doing in, 
growing your company, right? And the things that you care about, the things that you, you know, your mission, your respect, you know, how you're treating your employees, all, all of those things as, as well. But I think it's it a hundred percent. I think consumers are looking for, you know, the story and the brand. And it's a way for startups to really differentiate what they're yeah. doing versus the big guys because, you know, th- they struggle. Uh, to find their stories. And it, without a story, I think that there are, you know, less and less consumers out there that are just, you just look so mass at that point without that story. So I think you guys have done an amazing job of of doing that. So what do you think has been the most rewarding part of of starting your own company? I mean, obviously you made you know, there's trade-offs, there's risk, there's all of those things. I mean, you left an incredible uh, career, your your husband as well, it sounds like. And what do you feel like is the most rewarding thing when you think about what you do for people and, you know, and just starting this company? What it, I mean, what are you most proud of? For me, there's two things. I think the most, one of them has to do with the, the team of people that we've been able to build within 88 acres. And then the second is really the effect on the customers um, who love 88 acres uh, and who've reached out and said, you know, your product has changed my life. Like I've never been able to, I've been, I've had a severe food allergy my whole life and I've never been able to eat a granola bar or I've never been able to have, you know, nut butters. And suddenly I've, discovered your pumpkin seed butter and it's changed my life. Like, or hearing from a mom who's like been struggling with like, my kids have had food allergies and they don't, they're afraid to eat stuff until we found, you know, your products. Like that is literally why we do what we do. And I think just as a founder, like the most, one of the most rewarding things has really just been to, uh, to be surrounded by the incredibly talented people who have helped us build the company into what it is today and who we, we will rely on to build the company into, you know, a major national household brand. Um, and to see them growing as, you know, as people and as, as team members into like, and seeing them rise to challenges. And like, I've learned a ton about, um, and I'm still learning a ton about, um, how to be a better leader for them. Like they've challenged me in ways that I just don't think I would have been challenged um, had I stayed in finance. So, I mean, I think that's why we're doing what we're doing. Like this is the literally the hardest thing that we could have ever done as or chosen as a career path. Like starting a business and a brand from scratch, I just like grossly underestimated how difficult it would it would be. And the only thing that keeps us going is our team and our customers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that like, if you pull most founders, they would agree, like there's a way easier way to make the money that we make. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I, I say that all the time, but it, I always encourage the consumers to really share when you like a product. I, I don't think I ever prior to starting Hint told a brand how much I love their product. I, I told them how yeah. much I didn't like their product. Oh, totally. Right. We all complain. <laughs> <laughs> right. But now I'm constantly, so it's another thing that I always say to people too. And that, you know, when 
having that connection where it's easy for people to find you as well. And part of the reason why I've done so much around social is just because, uh, you know, I hear from consumers on a daily basis yeah. and, um, you know, what they like, what they don't like, where we've had problems along the way. I will hear it on social first and people will be, you know, not nasty about it. They'll be really nice and DM me and say, Hey, you know, this, this flavor in particular, like is not my favorite or, um, it didn't taste right. I used to drink it. Did you guys change something? Whatever it is, like, you know, you as a leader being able to be accessible, you may be forwarding it off to somebody who can, you know, help you answer it, but it's just to be able to really have access or have people have access to you, um, I think is also, you know, mentally, it really helps you even during those challenging days to sort of have that connection where people are actually telling you that they really like your product, right? And they care. And that's why they're, they're reaching out. So that's very, very, very inspiring. So One of the questions I always ask is along the way, I mean, you alluded to the fact that there's way easier (laughs) ways to make money. There were many ways along, many times I should say along the way where as a founder, you're thinking, I'm going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is like, or it's over, right? Uh, It's, you know, we've got competition. We can't raise money. We, whatever it is, we lost a big account. So what has been one of your biggest challenges or failures uh, along the way where you felt like, wow, I really learned an important lesson that I can share today with uh, all of our listeners? Hmm, There's been a lot of challenges. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have faced is, you know, probably to our detriment where we are fairly conservative in some ways where we're we're like very much minimum viable product people like prove that it works before you know before like taking an unnecessary risk and i remember when we were launching 88 acres a friend of mine was launching a brewery at the same time and he was building like 35,000 square feet of of production space and like at a huge cost and i was like wow it just seems like really risky and we were building, you know, at the time we've since expanded meant like multiple, multiple times, but our original bakery footprint was 1800 square feet. Mm-hmm. And I did all the production and then our friends and family would, would cut. It was like, we bought the bare minimum amount of equipment to kind of prove the concept. And there have definitely been times when we haven't scaled up capacity fast enough to be able to meet demand. And I think that's like, you know, one of the biggest difficulties when you are vertically integrated is like making sure that you are well positioned for like the next level of growth. Mm -hmm. And we are in a situation right now where we're tight on capacity and we are building a new plant and, you know, trying to get better at having more and more capacity. Um, But one of the things that's really incredible about our sales team is that uh, every time we're like, yeah, we've doubled capacity, uh, it it gets gobbled up. So I think just really like being able to get ourselves out of the weeds and um, really making the time to 
to think as far ahead as possible mm-hmm. and, uh, and to, you know, to, to just take those like bigger swings when they're cal- like very calculated and as de-risked as possible has been a big lesson for us. As my dad used to say, always ask yourself the question, what's the worst that can happen? And when you look back in history and figure out, you know, should I do it? Should I not do it? You know, figuring out what's the worst that can happen is always a question that is uh, is one that, you know, makes you think back on those times when you're thinking, okay, I wasn't going to go go and take that risk before. But when I did, lots of great things happened. And it sounds like that's sort of been your experience as well. Yeah. And like when we were starting out, it was like, oh, we could personally go bankrupt, right? Like, which was terrifying, but, you know, we accepted that risk. I, the risks are different now. It's like we have almost 100 team members. Like, That's amazing. I'm, their current financial situations are completely reliant on Rob and my ability to create and grow a successful company. And that's a huge amount of responsibility that we don't take lightly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, so it's all the same risk. It just shifts around as the company evolves. That's amazing. Well, this has been such an incredible interview and I really enjoyed the conversation and you are an absolutely incredible entrepreneur. Where's the best place for people to find 88 Acres, try 88 Acres and uh, definitely what's your top seller as well? Um, so our number one seller is our chocolate sea salt bar um, or our pumpkin seed butter or chocolate sunflower seed butter. You can find us uh, nationally in Whole Foods. And then we just launched four of our bar flavors in Walmart. So you can find us in just about 2,000 Walmart stores as well. Amazing. And do you sell online as well? We do on 88acres.com. And you can also find us on Amazon. But the only place you can find our full product library is on 88acres.com. Perfect. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you everyone for listening. Definitely give this episode five stars and please subscribe to the Kara Golden Show if you haven't already so that you are sure not to miss an incredible episode with another founder and CEO and great people like Nicole. And just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. Uh, Nicole, where can people find you as well? On Instagram, we are at 88 Acres Foods. I am not as good at social media as you, but you can find me on Instagram at Nicole Ledoux. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, my journey, for those of you who have not heard this uh, spiel before on uh, Building Hint is in my book, Undaunted. You can listen to it on Audible. It's also uh, available on Amazon. And we are here every Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday as well. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again, Nicole, for joining us. And everyone have a great rest of the week. Thanks, Kara, so much. Take care, everyone. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for 
anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.